0: Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts.
1: Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts
2: The True Crime Society podcast contains adult themes and violence and is not intended for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of the True Crime Society podcast with Stephanie and Olivia. It is actually Cinco de Mayo. I just realized. Oh. Um, I don't have any big plans, if if you're wondering. <laughs> um, Cinco, de, do you guys celebrate like Cinco de no. Mayo?
0: No, I guess we're so far away from anything in that in terms of that cultural aspect down here so no I have I have been in America once for Cinco de Mayo maybe it was when I lived in Canada so I know what it is but yeah it's not definitely not a thing here
2: yeah I don't really do much for it when I was younger we would like go out because we had some good Mexican restaurants in my hometown and they'd get like a big tent and have a big party these days I'm like Ugh, crowds never <laughs> good excuse for some delicious food yeah I had I think I had Mexican food like two days ago. I should have waited. But mm-hmm. probably not because I would have had to wait a long time for the order because I bet everyone's going to get it. Um, but we are recording bright and early today. Oh. Well, not for me. It is still like 5 p.m. But for Olivia, it's like was we start at 6.45, I think. <laughs> 6.45
0: a.m. We usually start around 8.30 my time, but it's Mother's Day at my kid's school today. So I said, can we please do it a little bit earlier so I can go? so yes i'm still i'm i'm awake i'm awake definitely but it's very very early
2: it's like a mother's day punishment So you have a big day today. You've got Mother's Day brunch and then later you have another fun adventure. Yeah, we're going to a 90s
0: party tonight. I think I mentioned last week about the girls I go to book club with. So with those girls, we're going to a 90s party where you got to dress up and they have like, I think it's called the No Scrubs 90s party. <laughs> um, so yeah, should be good. I've got an Alanis Morissette outfit ready to go. <laughs> what,
2: what is that, is that- what does that it's, consist it's, of oh. <laughs>
0: it's fake leather pants <laughs> like plastic nice. pants basically a satin there's a. I i should put i'll post a photo later but there's a and she's there's one photo where she's wearing like a long sleeve satin shirt that's like got mm-hmm. a button at the front and then like flared sleeves like i don't know if i'm describing it right yeah i know what you mean but yeah and then i probably wear, i've got leopard boots so i might wear them as well <laughs> go all out
2: <laughs> i love that 90s parties are like a thing now I know and then I've got another one next week but that's for
0: a 40th but that the actual theme of that is 90s pop star so I figure I can use my outfit twice in two weeks oh you're gonna you're gonna outfit repeat (laughs) yeah it's different crowd different group of friends so they wouldn't have seen it before
2: (laughs) Mm,
0: brisky (laughs) what about you are you up to anything
2: um as usual nothing really exciting my sister is coming over tomorrow to sleep over because Mike won't be here and I'm scared to be alone (laughs) for no reason, really. But we're going to address all her wedding invitations, which should be a very fun endeavor, I'm sure. And then Sunday's Mother's Day, so I'll go to my parents and hang out, eat some snacks. Very
0: nice. I think it's meant to be nice nice weather here finally, so we can't miss our weather chat for the week. (laughs) It's nice
2: out today. I don't even know what the weather's going to be like this weekend I'm slacking (laughs) hopefully it's nice though so I could sit outside at my parents because where I live now I literally have no outdoor area like I don't have a little deck I live above like a restaurant so I just have a parking lot I can never go outside so I remember during the pandemic when I was at the peak we would have like little lawn chair type things we'd sit in the parking lot because the (laughs) restaurant wasn't open and we would drink in the parking lot (laughs) but it's depressing I have nowhere to go um, we did have one update on our rideshare episode, which just came out mm. today, recording time. Um, the story about Ella Goody, her case was upgraded, I guess, to a homicide investigation, which isn't really shocking. I think probably all of us would assume have assumed that something like that had happened.
0: Yeah. The trooper Derek Senegal, who I think we spoke about in the episode, he made a statement and that said, based on investigative techniques and witness statements, detectives and investigators have transitioned from a missing person's case to a homicide investigation. So she's been missing for nearly two months in the next few days. So, um, yeah, it's not really, yeah, I agree. Not surprising, but a sad update. Nonetheless,
2: yeah, and I know a lot of people right now are into the case about Vicky White and her convict boyfriend that she helped escape, whose first name is escaping me, but I know he also has the last name White.
1: Casey not Cole. related,
2: though. C- Casey Cole isn't his last name White too? Yeah, yeah, but he's got two first names. I guess. Oh. <laughs> Casey
0: Cole White.
2: <laughs> yeah, but apparently they're not related. People have been saying um, we might do an episode on that one next time so we probably won't really talk about much now because there's there's still not really a ton of info out yet a lot of interest but not a lot of actual info to do like an episode really yet
0: i have seen some comments online saying that they're not blood related but some people think that he is maybe her ex-partner's nephew or oh (laughs) yeah i know there is some maybe weird relation but Um, sound like their brother and sister no all cousins like blood cousins or anything like that they they may have known each other before I don't know I don't I don't know (laughs) and it's not confirmed anyway it's just comments that I've read online that say actually they are related in this weird kind of 10 degrees of separation way so
2: yeah so I'm sure more info will come out about that hopefully I, I can't see them being on the run much longer but you never know
0: I know. I know. We're going to talk about it next week, but uh, someone posted, sent us a photo today of the height difference between the two because he's like six foot nine, I think, or something, and she, I'm assuming, is probably five four or five six, like just a normal adult female height. <laughs> and the height difference is crazy. Like if you saw them walking down the street, you would notice them. He's basically He'll pr- he'd thing.
2: probably stand out. That's like pretty tall. Yeah, that's. I can't.
0: I I, I can't believe they're still missing. I thought it would be over in a few days. So I
2: don't know what's going to happen. Sam. I feel like she planned it for a while. Oh, absolutely. clearly. Um, So yeah, we'll probably talk about that one next episode, depending how much information is out at that point. So if you want to hear about that, just like keep waiting, keep hanging out, keep checking our Instagram because we post about that one a good amount. And Brian Enton is officially on the case. He is in Alabama. Is that where it is? (laughs) (laughs) I wonder if... I always like, I've tagged him once before. Like, he has an Instagram, but he doesn't really use it. And I always wonder if he knows that he has such a big fan, pa- fan base in the TCS community. <laughs> like, we got so many messages today after I posted his tweet that he was going there to talk to people that like knew Vicky White and to get on the case. People were like, thank God. And they're like, our news daddy is on the way. <laughs> I saw one message and it's like, Brian for president. <laughs> like, I just want him to know what fans we all are. <laughs>
0: Some Hopefully people are like, "Someone
2: l- listens and tells him." <laughs> some people are like, "I'm behind. Who's Brian? Why do we love him?" <laughs> and I was like, "Well, uh, but yeah." So he'll he'll get us some info. But anyways, I guess we'll we'll get on with it since Olivia has a schedule today, <laughs> pressing schedule today, Mother's Day brunch. Um. So today we're going to talk about the case of Melissa Lucio, which. I'm assuming most people have heard of because it was big news recently. It's been a very controversial case. There is a lot of different passionate opinions on it. Um, If you don't really know about it, it's about potentially a wrongful conviction or just like a bad conviction. She got like a bad trial. She's sentenced with the death penalty and hit the microphone. (laughs) And a lot of people don't believe that she should have gotten the death penalty. And there's just like a lot of things going on here um so we're gonna start out kind of just going over like the basic information and kind of how it all went down originally and then we'll get into why people think she should have a new trial what other information came out and so on and so forth right
0: yeah yeah we've gone chronologically kind of from the start to what happened and then the things that have since happened after she was first convicted
2: yeah and like I said it's a case that people are have very passionate strong opinions about um we'll try to kind of stay what's the right word where you don't In, have an opinion impartial
0: impartial, impartial
2: and, non-biased just give the facts because yeah i'll say like we'll say our thoughts generally at the end but we'll try to like explain all the sides okay <laughs>
1: The mother of 14 children scheduled to be put to death next week. Melissa Lucio insists she was wrongfully convicted of killing her two-year-old daughter Mariah after a tragic accident 15 years ago. High-profile names fighting to save her from execution. ABC's Maria Villarreal is here with more.
0: In 2007, paramedics arrived at Lucio's home to find her two-year-old daughter Mariah unresponsive. Lucio told police the toddler fell asleep and never woke up admitting she fell down a steep staircase two days prior but didn't appear seriously injured. Lucio's attorneys filed a clemency petition with the Texas Board of Pardons and Paroles, claiming the 53-year-old mother was coerced into confessing to the murder. A forensic expert in the clemency petition claims the bruising was consistent with head trauma after an accidental fall.
2: So Melissa Lucio, she was convicted of murdering her two-year-old daughter, Mariah, in 2007. Melissa has been on death row since that time, and she was due to be executed on April 27th, which was very recently. But because of all of the kind of uproar about it, like I said, and people signing petitions and kind of protesting it, um, she had been granted a stay of execution. Um, So we're going to get into how we got there. So a little background on Melissa. She was born in Lubbock, Texas on June 18th, 1969. Melissa's father died when she was an infant. When Melissa was three or four, her family moved to Rio Grande Valley where her mother had grown up. And also just a side note, this case does talk about child abuse. Not horrific detail, but it's mentioned. So just just be warned. So there's a lot of info on Melissa that comes up from the Innocent Project, We'll talk about them a lot in this episode. If you're not familiar with them, they um, they work to free innocent and prevent wrongful convictions and create fair, compassionate, and equitable systems of justice for everyone. So they usually work hard to get people new trials where the evidence seemed bad or not everything was included. Um, probably heard of them before if you follow true crime, I'm guessing. I feel
0: like there's a few um, similar organizations too that are quite high profile but yeah the i feel like they're the project biggest one are the- they
2: in making a murder are they involved with i don't remember <sighs> yes yep uh, yeah yeah so i feel like most people will i think there's another one
0: called like the justice project or something like that as well but yeah that it seeks to kind of right any wrongful convictions that have happened
2: yeah So, according to the Innocence Project, Melissa suffered sexual and physical abuse from age six. She got married at age 16 and had five children with a man named Guadalupe Lucio. Melissa has publicly said that Guadalupe was abusive and suffered with addiction issues. She became trapped and developed addiction issues herself, and Guadalupe eventually abandoned Melissa and their five children. I wonder how old he was when she was 16. Yeah,
0: it's it's interesting because, you know, obviously her maiden name wasn't Lucio. I couldn't find much else about that, but yeah, I'm not entirely sure either.
2: Yeah. So then she met a man named Robert Alvarez and she had nine more children. Some reports say that she had 13 children. The Innocence Project says she had 14 and in the Hulu documentary, she also says she had 14. So it seems like 14 is yeah, the correct number. I think number, that's the right number. But some say 13 Which is weird because the last set of kids was twins. Or maybe they're not counting Mariah. Yeah, it could be. I don't know. But yeah, that's that. Robert was also abusive towards Melissa and the children. He repeatedly raped and threatened to kill her. Melissa had a lot of abuse in her life starting from a young age. She was sexually assaulted often as a child, she said, um, starting at six years old. She tried to tell her mom, but her mom didn't believe her essentially. And it just was ongoing, got married at a young age to someone who was abusive, got remarried to someone who was abusive. So kind of just how the cycle continues. Melissa and Robert had been investigated by CPS over the years. There were allegations of child neglect, and Melissa apparently left the teenage kids in charge of the younger ones for long periods of time. In 2004, Melissa gave birth to Mariah Alvarez in September. Mariah was Melissa's 12th child. At the time of birth, Melissa was found to be addicted to cocaine, and her children were all removed from her care. Three older children went to live with their father, while the others were placed in foster care. But Melissa ended up regaining custody of the ones in foster care in 2006. Melissa and her family lived a tough life. The family lived in, quote, extreme poverty, her lawyer Sandra Babcock told BBC. A quote from her says, their electric service was cut. They moved some 26 times in a five-year period. For a time, the only access they had to water was through their neighbors' houses or from a parish. I know in the documentary, the kids said how they had to, you know, go to free dinner type places and that they were actually homeless for a while. So they were kind of stuck in poverty. Yeah. At one point, Melissa and Robert lived with the children that they had custody of in a two-bedroom apartment. Some articles say that she had custody of all 12 kids at this time and that she was also pregnant with twins. Either way, it was a lot of people in a small space. Mariah allegedly became injured during one of the family's many moves. The family moved into the two-bedroom apartment that we were just talking about, which was on the second floor of the building. Melissa later told police that when she realized that Mariah was no longer inside the unit, she left to look for her and found her crying by that staircase, which was outside, with a bit of blood on her lower teeth. So it seems like it's being insinuated that she fell down at least the one flight of stairs. but. Melissa said after she didn't really see any other injuries on her, and she kind of seemed fine, that they continued on with the day. Two days later, on February 17, 2007, police were called to the apartment after Mariah was found unresponsive. Melissa and Robert said that Mariah had fallen asleep on their bed and had never woken up. After she was pronounced dead, an autopsy was conducted, and the results showed that she had extensive bruising, bite marks on her back, patches of hair that had been pulled out, and a broken arm. Melissa explained that she thought Mariah had fallen down the stairs a few days earlier, and that would explain most of the injuries. But however, further investigation at the time showed that she had an arm break that was weeks old, around two to seven weeks before her death. She also had a head injury and bruising of her kidneys, lungs, and spinal cord. One source, Abuse Angels, says that Mariah's head injury likely occurred around 24 hours before her death. And that source also says she suffered multiple contusions to her head area and that blunt force head trauma. The blunt force head trauma basically means that she was beat around the head with something, some sort of object, a hand, fist, or maybe it slammed. After Mariah's death, Melissa was taken in for questioning. At first, she was questioned by Texas Rangers for over seven hours with no legal representation. She was also not offered food or water. They also questioned if she was even allowed to take a break to go to the bathroom or anything. um, And it was late at night. During the interrogation, she denied more than 100 times during the questioning that she ever abused or killed Mariah. But she did admit to spanking her after kind of like being pushed by the people interrogating her. I'll put in some clips of it. The interrogation's like, it's really bad. Like these guys are screaming at her and making her repeat the same thing a billion times, asking her the same question a billion times until kind of just leading her to say what they want or else they just keep asking her the same thing. It is tough to watch a little because it's just like these men screaming at her.
1: I'm very sad that this child died. But when I first saw you in there, I knew something was wrong. You know something is wrong. No, sir, I don't. You know something is wrong. No, sir, I don't. If I bring you all those pictures, if I beat you half to death, like that little child was beat, I bet you you'd die too. So I did not beat my daughter, sir? No. Not that cruel to my children. What are those bruises on your little child? This is your chance to set it straight, because right now it looks like capital murder. Right now it looks like you're a cold-blooded killer. Now, were you a cold-blooded killer, or were you a frustrated mother who just took it out on her? We know somebody did it. We're trying to find out who did it. If it wasn't you, I don't think somebody crept in there at the middle middle, middle of the night and went up to your child and specifically singled her out so he could bite her on the back. Listen, it happens. Okay? We all make mistakes. We all make mistakes. We all get upset. We already know what happened we already know what
2: happened. But some info from the court documents about the case, Escalon, he is one of the Texas Rangers, testified that the appellant began to open up with him after about 20 minutes of questioning. So appellant is Melissa, so I'll just say Melissa instead of appellant. Um, Melissa's recorded statements reflect that she told Escalon that she and only she had been spanking or hitting Mariah since sometime in December 2006. Melissa stated that Alvarez, the husband, never hit or spanked Mariah, and that Alvarez was unaware of most of the bruises on Mariah's body. Melissa also stated that none of the other children beat Mariah and that no one except Melissa beat Mariah. Melissa also stated that Mariah had been in her care for at least the previous three days. The jury also saw Melissa on videotape demonstrate with a doll how she abused and spanked Mariah. Melissa also stated that she would hit Mariah when Melissa got mad. Melissa also described how she pinched Mariah's vagina and how she would sometimes grab and squeeze Mariah's arm. Melissa described how she bit Mariah twice on the back at different times about two weeks before Mariah's death. Melissa said that on one occasion she bit Mariah on the back for no reason while she was combing her hair. Melissa said, I just did it. She also stated that she would spank Mariah several times day after day. Um, Melissa stated that Mariah was sick on the day that she died, but that she was afraid to take Mariah to the doctor because of all the bruises on her. Melissa also stated that Mariah would not eat and that her breathing was heavy. Melissa said that Mariah slept all day on February 17th and that she would lock her teeth together when Melissa would try to feed her, which is consistent with blunt force head trauma. During the interrogation, Victor Escalon said, Right now, it looks like you're a cold-blooded killer. Now, are you a cold-blooded killer or were you a frustrated mother who just took it out on her? He continued by telling her, we already know what happened. After she had been interrogated for several hours, Melissa broke down and said, I guess I did it. I'm responsible.
1: Basically, what they were doing is they were trying to make me admit that I was the one responsible for her fall. And I kept telling them that. I hadn't, that I hadn't hurt my daughter, and they were very vulgar, very, very rough, very, um, persistent. They wanted me to admit to something that I was not capable of doing to my child, and, um, the interrogation continued for maybe six, six, seven hours until three o'clock in the morning. They just kept pointing fingers at me and threatening me and telling me that I was gonna spend the rest of my life in prison and that I wasn't gonna be able to see the rest of my children grow up and get married. And you know, they just kept throwing so many words at me and I just told them I'm responsible for Mariah's bruises. They wanted to hear something. I mean, I was not gonna admit to causing her death because I wasn't responsible.
2: One of Melissa's sons was also questioned by law enforcement after her death. In a video, a female officer asked the boy, "Did you see your sister fall down the stairs, or did somebody tell you that she fell?" And the boy responded, "No, I saw her fall." I'm one of those people. It's not that I don't believe in false confessions, but I'm always like, "How? How does this happen?" And but watching this clip, I was like, I understood it more because of how the people, inter- the officers interrogating her, were behaving, and just how exhausting it seemed. Like, for example, when they were like, show us how you spanked her, she like hit the baby doll, like not that hard, like a kind of like a light spank. And he was like, but did you do it harder? And then like he did an example of how like someone would spank the baby harder. And he was like, show me, show me, show me doing it harder. So she would like do it a little harder. And he's like, is that how you hit her? And she was like, I, I guess. He's like, but did you do it harder? And like for like 10 times of him being like, OK, but did you do it harder? Yeah. And she was like, I guess like it's bit second guessing
0: yourself and
2: it was just you know. it was almost like they they tricked her in some yeah. situations of being like well show us how you would do it harder and i don't know i'll put it in the clips and you can see what i mean
1: show lay her down and show me how you would spank her but it was it like was it one time or was it several times several times show me how but show me the same force you would use with your right or left hand left right hand would you be standing up or sitting down both how, how would you do it when you're sitting there? Show me how you would do it. but I mean, the way you actually did it. I just get it over. Oh, I would just picked her real hard on her back. Well do it real hard like you, like you would do it. Hard. but Like the way you would do it. That's the way I would do it. I mean, I wouldn't pound on her. but mm-hmm. Or do it. You done. Was it harder? No. Because I, mean, I just, I, I'm i doing it hard. Well, okay, but, you're doing it on yourself. This is, I mean, I wasn't piling on her anything. No, show me exactly renting. how you would do it like this. Yes. Okay. And this is just what? Spanking? Did you hit it with a stick? <clears throat> Did you use anything?
2: <clears throat> so an article from The Guardian also gives more insight into the interrogation, techniques used by law enforcement, It says, over almost six hours stretching late into the night, they applied the notorious read technique, which is a controversial interrogation method that has led to numerous wrongful convictions in the U.S. As trained to do under the system, the officers put their faces within inches of Lucio's screaming at her that she, quote, had to know what happened to her child. They had, quote, lots of evidence that she was to blame for the death, they said, forcing her to view photographs of the girl's lifeless body. Then, as the read method dictates, they also abruptly switched tone. They gently reassured her that she could put this to rest if she would only confess to having caused the toddler's death. Melissa insisted over 100 times that night that she was innocent, but after more than five hours of aggressive maximization and minimization, as the technique is known, she reached breaking point. She began to repeat the phrases that the investigators had effectively coached her to say, and she confessed by saying, I don't know what you want me to say. I'm responsible for it. I guess I did it. Melissa went to trial for Mariah's murder very quickly. The prosecuting district attorney was Armando Villa-Lobos. He was seeking reelection at the time of trial and kind of used this whole case as um, a talking point for his commercials and stuff, how he's tough on crime. Villa-Lobos played Mal- Melissa's statements in court and told the jury that they were her confessions. A pathologist, Dr. Norma J. Farley testified that Mariah's autopsy indicated that she did not die from falling down the stairs and instead her injuries were consistent with a death from blunt force trauma. Additionally, court documents state that the emergency room physician said he had not seen a case of child abuse worse than Mariah's. The main argument from Melissa's defense was that Mariah's injuries were from falling down the stairs. They also argued that Melissa's psychological functioning contributed to her conflicting reports given to authorities. Surprisingly, there's not a ton of info that's still available about the trial proceedings for this case, Um, but Melissa was found guilty of capital murder and later sentenced to death in 2008. At the time of her sentencing, she was pregnant with twins and she delivered them in jail and they were placed up for adoption. Some sources say that Melissa appealed the sentencing in 2011. The basis of the appeal was that Melissa was unable to present a complete defense because some of the defense's witnesses were rejected. Um, The appeal outlined 14 points of error in the trial. Despite this, the 2011 appeal was denied. In 2019, a three-judge panel of the federal appeals court overturned the sentence because of the trial court's interference in Melissa's right to present a defense. Melissa's attorneys hoped new witnesses that they would call could shed more light on Melissa's character as a battered woman who takes blame for everything that goes on in the family. Forensic pathologist Dr. Thomas Young, the former chief medical examiner in Kansas City, Missouri, reviewed the case at the request of Melissa's attorney he concluded that Dr. Farley appeared to have jumped to the wrong conclusions. A similar case of Manuel Velez, a man who was initially convicted for murdering a one-year-old baby and whose death sentence was overturned after further investigation. Dr. Farley's conclusions had also been contradicted by other medical experts. I know in the documentary, he mentions how sometimes as the result of a traumatic like brain injury that You can get severe bruising like all over your body afterwards because your blood technically just stops clotting because of the brain injury. So he said that even just like a light tap could cause the bruising. And he referred to how some of the other siblings, when they were interviewed by the police or social workers, they said that they never noticed these bruises on Mariah before. Despite all this, the appeal decision was subsequently overturned and Melissa remained on death row. So that wasn't the end of the appeals process for Melissa. In February 2021, a larger group of judges with the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Fifth Circuit split in February 2021 and voted narrowly 10 to 7 to uphold her execution. In August 2021, an amicus brief was filed on Melissa's behalf by a group consisting of legal scholars, experts on violence against women, and representatives from 16 organizations that fight violence against women. An amicus brief is an individual or organization who is not a party to a legal case, but who is permitted to assist a court by offering information, expertise, or insight that has a bearing on the issues in the case. The decisions on whether to consider an amicus brief lies within the discretion of the court. It's basically just experts giving expert opinions during a trial. The brief states that Melissa's strange behavior during the interrogation was because of prior trauma as a survivor of abuse. They also argued that a judge's order to exclude expert testimony on the effects of the trauma had deprived Melissa of the only means she had of explaining what, notwithstanding her demeanor and self-incriminating statements, she was innocent of her daughter's murder. So basically what they're saying is because she was a victim of domestic violence for so long... And was a victim of childhood abuse that her kind of go to defense when these people are screaming at her or she's just so used to kind of dissociating and agreeing just to make it stop. Um, So that's how she could have been tricked into giving a false confession. And you could see in the video, she kind of just shuts down and like folds into herself because of that's how what abuse victims do, because that's how you make the abuse stop, essentially. Despite all this, none of the appeals were successful. January 2022, Cameron County officials set the date for Melissa's execution as April 27th, 2022. Just as a note, Melissa is the first Hispanic woman to be sent death row, and if her execution had gone ahead, she would have been the first Hispanic woman executed in Texas. After her execution date was scheduled, Melissa petitioned for clemency. Governor Greg Abbott could grant clemency if the majority of the Board of Pardons and Paroles supported it. The parole board was scheduled to vote on Melissa's clemency petition two days before the execution. In a March 2022 letter to the Board of Pardons and Paroles in Abbott, 83 members of the Texas House of Representatives, including both Democrats and Republicans, signed a letter stating that executing Melissa would be a miscarriage of justice. In April 2022, a juror on the trial, Johnny Galvin Jr., wrote in the Houston Chronicle that he had wrongly succumbed to peer pressure during deliberations and had changed his vote from a life sentence to the death penalty. He said, In 2008, I served on the jury that sent Melissa Lucio to death row for the alleged murder of her two-year-old daughter. Even at the time of trial, when it seemed to me that Lucio's defense lawyers were hardly making a case for her life, I did not want to sentence her to death. I felt pressured by my fellow jurors to vote for a death sentence, but I wish I had never done so. At the trial, prosecutors argued Lucio had been physically abusive towards her daughter Mariah, the youngest of her 12 children. They noted bruises and other injuries found on her body when Mariah was brought to the hospital and later declared dead. The majority of their prosecution, however, rested on Lucio's confession that resulted after five hours of interrogation. But there were so many other details that went unmentioned, it wasn't until after the trial was over that troubling information was brought to light. So on April 15, Melissa's attorney filed a petition with the Texas Court of Criminal Appeals
0: seeking a stay of her execution and arguing that she deserves a new trial because she's innocent and that the state relied on false evidence and that they also hid favorable evidence to convict her. So the petition is 242 pages long. I'll link it on the blog if you want to read it all. A lot of the documents are very long in this case. Like there's some court documents that are about 55 pages. So I'll make sure I put it all on the blog in case you you really want to do a deep dive into this one. Um, But this info about the petition is from the Innocence Project It says, The filing represents the first time the courts will have the opportunity to consider the new scientific and expert evidence showing that Melissa's conviction was based on an unreliable coerced confession and unscientific false evidence that misled the jury. Melissa has been condemned to die for the accidental death of her daughter, Mariah. If the jury had heard evidence about the coercive tactics used in Melissa's interrogation and the medical evidence showing that Mariah's cause of death was consistent with an accident, they would have found there was no murder and Melissa would have been acquitted. She would be preparing for Easter mass with her children and not facing execution. She deserves a new trial. The petition also details how police investigation and prosecution were infected by gender bias. It says police targeted Melissa because she did not fit their image of how a grieving mother should behave. They used interrogation tactics that replicated the dynamics of domestic violence. They told her that she had no choice but to acquiesce to their insistence that she take responsibility for Mariah's injuries. New linguistic analysis shows that while police treated Melissa as a suspect, they treated her partner like an innocent victim even though he was Mariah's caretaker and had a history of familial violence. He is now a free man. It says that we know the corruption ran deep in the district attorney's office under Amanda Villalobos and we owe it to Mariah and her siblings to make sure a new panel of 12 jurors hear all the evidence of their mother's innocence. That was a quote from one of Melissa's attorneys. The Mexican ambassador to the United States, Esteban Moctezuma, announced on April 22 that he had sent a letter to Governor Abbott asking him to grant executive clemency to Melissa as, quote, Mexico has historically manifested an unwavering commitment in its opposition to the death penalty. So it's all really down to the wire. This is all just happening days before she was meant to be executed. And on Monday, April 25th, which was two days before the execution date, Her execution was halted by the Texas Court of Criminal Appeals. Basically, that means that her execution has been delayed so it can be decided if she should go to trial again. The appeals court ordered that Melissa's trial court review four of the nine claims she raised in her application, which demands a public official show a valid reason for a person's detention. A trial court-level judge will now review her request and the prosecutor's response before making a recommendation to the state appeals court. It's, we don't really know how long this will take. It's, things seem to be moving pretty quickly, but, uh, you know, I don't know, could be months, could be years. We, we're not entirely sure of the time frame for their um, decision. Um, there's a really good article by CNN which links the four main claims that Melissa and her defence team are arguing. A lot of this information comes from that, and I'll link it on the blog if you want to read it in its entirety. entirety. Claim number one is that no jury would have convic- convicted Melissa without the state's false testimony. This claim is based on the assumption that Melissa was convicted based on false testimony which was given by witnesses and law enforcement. At the time of her death, Mariah's body was covered in bruises and that was in, they were in, quote, various stages of healing. Her arm had been broken several weeks earlier and she had what authorities believed was a bite mark on her back. Melissa's attorneys say that authorities decided Mariah's injuries were abuse and set out to confirm the theory while in, ignoring evidence that may prove her innocent. Um, as we've spoken before about the interrogation, she was you know, interrogated by Texas Rangers just hours after Ma- Mariah died. The Texas Ranger has said that he knew Melissa was guilty based on her demeanor. Her head was down and she was avoiding eye contact and they were all signs of guilt, he said. This testimony has now been proven as scientifically baseless and false, according to Melissa's team. They cited a neuroscientist and said that there is no basis for the idea that some facial and body movements can reveal someone's mental state. The medical examiner who conducted Mariah's autopsy also allegedly gave false information. They determined that blunt force trauma was the cause of Mariah's death and that it was caused by child abuse, but Mariah's team say this knowledge is corrupted. They are arguing that the autopsy and its findings, um, as well as the medical examiner, failed to review other parts of Mariah's medical history, including her having trouble walking, and she also had a documented history of falls due due to a turned-in foot that she had. At the trial, the medical examiner testified for the state that the injuries Mariah had could only be caused by abuse – But Melissa's attorneys have said that Mariah showed signs of a blood coagulation disorder that can result in severe bruising and that a fractured arm is not uncommon in toddlers, particularly those with a history of falls. Common causes of the blood disorder are head trauma, which I think this is kind of what you touched upon earlier, but head trauma can cause this coagulation and blood disorder and that the bite mark evidence was determined to be, according to them, invalid and unreliable. Um, And it says that forensic odontologists have found expert testimony identifying injuries as a human bite mark is, quote, without a scientific basis.
2: They mentioned on the show that the bite marks could have potentially just been like scrapes from hitting her back on the stairs, but they couldn't really confirm. Um,
0: Claim number two is that new scientific evidence would preclude Melissa's conviction This basically means that they are arguing that a jury would not have found Melissa guilty if they knew about the scientific evidence that was not available at the time of the trial. According to her defense team, Melissa was convicted in part on the basis of the statements that she made during that interrogation. The vague indications that she was responsible for some of Mariah's injuries were not an admission of guilt, but they were presented that way at the trial. Two experts say that Melissa's statements may have been a false confession, they argue that she was particularly prone to false confessions due to the sexual and ab- domestic abuse that she had endured in her lifetime. Her attorneys now say that the lifelong trauma she encountered is new evidence that was not available at the time of her trial and that the jury did not hear testimony from an expert about false confessions. And they argue that if they had have heard that, she likely would have not been convicted.
2: They also said um, that they only showed the jury like the part where she confessed. So they didn't see the rest of the interrogation, see them like yelling at her and seeing her originally saying no a hundred times. Like they only saw the very end. So the third
0: claim is that evidence shows Melissa is innocent. Um, Melissa's team have put forward um, kind of a case for with, evidence from a case of experts and they say they collectively disprove every element of the prosecution's case against Melissa. So they say that given the evidence that we've just spoken about, no rational juror would have found Melissa guilty beyond a reasonable doubt and executing an innocent person would violate the 8th and 14 amendments which are her rights to due process and amount to cruel and unusual punishment. The fourth and final claim is that the state suppressed evidence which was favourable to Melissa's defence um, they basically say that they had evidence that they did not share with her defence attorney, which further undermines her conviction and violates her rights. This evidence included information from a CPS investigator who had interviewed some of Melissa's other children. They're the ones who said that Mariah did have a fall, and basically you know that her health and discounted that she you know her health was not great, she apparently had this blood disorder, she seemed to be quite a frail child, and that they also discounted allegations of abuse by their mother. The defence attorneys alleged that um, Mariah's sibling statements to police were suppressed and rather than providing Melissa's defence attorney with their sworn statement, prosecutors gave the defence summary that kind of omitted information that they didn't want to share. The evidence that they're saying was suppressed if it had been made public It would have made people aware. There were witnesses who said Mariah did not abuse her children. There were also other family members aware that Mariah fell down the stairs and Mariah hadn't shown any sign that her arm was injured in the weeks before her death. So it's just like it is messy. There's a lot of conflicting stories but they're they're the four main points that – mariah's team are arguing and in terms of her getting a new trial that they think should be taken into consideration
2: i feel like all the points basically say the same thing though
0: (laughs) yeah it's basically that she didn't get a fair trial the evidence wasn't shown and Um, she had
2: like a shitty interrogation
0: yeah exactly like the the i guess the methods they used to get this alleged confession out of her weren't ethical or you know the right thing to do yeah So one other interesting fact in this case is that the district attorney is now in jail. He was the one who we mentioned before who was up for re-election at the time of the trial. This information comes from deathpenaltyinfo.org. It said the district attorney who prosecuted Melissa's case, Armando Villalobos, is currently serving a 13-year prison sentence imposed from 2014 for bribery and extortion. From 2006. Through 2012, including the time that he prosecuted Melissa, he had accepted more than $100,000 in bribes in exchange for influence over his decisions as district attorney. According to the U.S. Department of Justice, he and others were involved in a scheme to illegally generate income for themselves and others through a pattern of bribery and extortion, favoritism, improper influence, personal self-enrichment, self-dealing, concealment, and conflict of interest.
2: So basically... He was paid off by people sometimes to have trials go a certain way or for him to get involved in certain cases that he probably wouldn't normally. But another thing that kind of fits in here is her defense attorney sucked, like really had no interest in helping her, was just kind of going through the motions as like that um that juror said in his letter very very soon after this trial that defense attorney started working for the district attorney's office so a little <laughs> suspicious.
0: yeah it just it blows my mind that that was so this only happened you know 10 or 12 or you know how many years ago It's wasn't that long ago and there was just still so much corruption and so much you know it's probably illegal. not even any better now yeah Interestingly, despite all the claims that, you know, Melissa was innocent and that she didn't murder Mariah, there is one person who is close to her who has been vocal about alleged abuse. Um, I know Stephanie's spoken about the documentary, but it was released in 2021 by Hulu and it was called The State of Texas vs. Melissa. Melissa's daughter, Selena, started to post on social media following the documentary release. Um, she is Melissa's fifth child. Her TikTok account handle is actually fifth of 14. <laughs> Selina alleges that the abuse against Mariah started after the children were returned to Melissa's custody. Selena said that Melissa was not abusive to all of us, but that she only used to abuse Mariah. She says in another video that she never witnessed physical abuse, only her mother pinching Mariah or excluding her, but she later became aware that other physical abuse was happening. Selena has said that her mother excluded Mariah and kept her separate from the other children on a number of occasions, and that she claims bruises found on Mariah's body were, were consistent with rings that her mother would wear. She, there are three older siblings who have kind of stood by Melissa and you know denied the claims, but she said that they were not around for the abuse at the time or were living in a different home. In the Hulu documentary, Melissa kind of also implies that another one of her daughters named Alexandra may have been responsible for Mariah's death. There was a mitigation specialist at the trial who said that Alexandra admitted during a family meeting in June 2008 that, quote, she was the reason Mariah fell down the stairs. In a 2010 affidavit, one of Melissa's sisters claimed to remember a different conversation in which Alexandra admitted to punching Mariah out of resentment for having to care for her while Melissa and her husband did drugs. Alexandra denies, though, being involved in Mariah's death. In the documentary, Alexandra has said that she doesn't recall any of these alleged confessions and she also spoke in one of her sister's TikToks and claimed that blame was placed on her in an attempt to free Melissa. Selena said, my mom's sisters so that she would get a lesser sentence if we said she abused my sister.
2: In the documentary, one of the other older siblings was saying how Alexandra always kind of bullied Mariah because she didn't see Mariah as like her real sibling because they had different fathers and that, you know, Mariah was basically a baby and she would just always get in the way and they were kind of put in charge of like taking care of all the kids and that Alexandra would get annoyed when Mariah would cry or, you know, act like a baby um, and would always kind of like bully her and like hit her sometimes. Who knows what's true, but yeah, kids, I wouldn't put it past kids to just like do dumb shit like that and not really understand the consequences. Especially if
0: they're kind of modeling the behavior that they've seen, like they obviously grew up in an abusive house. Robert mm-hmm. was very abusive. Um Yeah. So that was just kind of along that point.
2: And it's also weird because this was left out of the trial, but the social worker who Alexandra apparently confessed this to, that she was the reason why Mariah fell down the stairs, when the social worker told the defense attorney, he told her basically like it was irrelevant and not to bring it up. And she had to like sign a thing saying that like she wouldn't bring it up basically. So I think a very that's weird.
0: fractured, yeah, very fractured family. Mm-hmm. So another one of Melissa's children named Bobby has been speaking to the media just in the last few days. There's an article by The Independent, which I'll put on the blog, but he told them that, quote, the fight still isn't over to save his mother's life and that his family still has a long, long battle ahead. He said, even though we've got the stay, it doesn't mean the fight is now over. We've just completed the first step, but there's many more steps to come. It was a really big step, but it's going to be a long, long battle. Um, He said that another one of his brothers, John, they've been doing protests in Texas since the stay was granted kind of in order to draw more attention to his mother's story and to make sure that she gets a new trial. He said, we've organized some more protests for the next couple of months. Nothing has changed. We've got the stay, but we're still going to share her story. He said her legal team being able to present evidence that they weren't able to use in the first trial like medical experts and false false confession experts will make a big difference and will help. So Bobby has said that he was seven years old when his mother went to jail. He said he cried every night wanting my mama back and that um, he and his siblings went into foster care when she was arrested. He said growing up, I was always a mama's boy, so I just wanted to be around her. I enjoyed her company. I remember she always played with me and made me laugh. It was very difficult then being put into foster care. You feel so alone and no one is there for you. I cried every night wanting to be back with her for my parents to come for us. I knew they weren't coming, but there was always that hope. He also spoke about how he was so young that he didn't really understand what was going on. He said, I knew my sister had passed and that was why we were taken away from our parents, but I didn't grasp that we had been taken away because they were accusing them of it. I didn't fully understand the situation at the time. So I guess, yeah, all of her kids would have been so young when this happened. Um, It would have been just such a massive thing for them to grasp after having such a... Abusive life.
2: They're like they were interviewed by social workers, and their like testimony or any evidence about how they were saying that like their mom didn't abuse them or anything like that wasn't. The defense attorney said he chose not to use it because he didn't want to have to have the kids be involved with the court case because he said you know they lived such a life of neglect that he thought that they would just run around the courtroom and act like wild animals, and the jury would like hate them essentially and that it would ruin everything but when they show the videos of the kids talking to police they're perfectly calm sitting there nicely answering the questions so it's just another thing of the defense attorney like why would you do that and just be like oh the kids are gonna run around like wild animals around the courtroom and act crazy <laughs> i'm sure the older kids had a different experience than the younger kids because when it was just the older kids there was only like two three four of them When the younger kids were around, there was like 14 of them. Yeah. So I'm sure they both had very different experiences. There's
0: a lot of um, public support and kind of a lot of high profile support for Melissa. One person who's been very outspoken is Kim Kardashian. On the day that Melissa was granted a stay of execution, Kim wrote on Twitter, best news ever, Melissa Lucio has been on death row for 14 years for her daughter's death that was a tragic accident. I know also just kind of as an aside, Kim has written tweets about this case in the past that have since been deleted, so I'm not entirely sure what is going on there. But that latest post is still up on her Twitter. I took a screenshot yesterday. She's, um, It's with a photo of Melissa when she was young.
2: And Kim she usually speaks out kind of like about death penalty cases a lot so like we were saying earlier this is a case where a lot of people have very passionate opinions on one side or the other so i don't know if that could be a reason why she deleted them because you know some people are like she still was a neglectful mom but i think kim probably saw it as like she doesn't deserve the death penalty
0: yeah not that she's totally totally innocent. innocent of everything related to her daughter's death but yeah this is yeah yeah i agree So Melissa's attorneys acknowledge also that there's a long way to go. They're optimistic that the stay now opens the door to the potential of a new trial and ultimately complete vindication. Um, It says, hopefully the message is we should not be denying innocent people their day in court. That comes from the Death Penalty Information Centre director. Melissa has also since spoken about her conviction and the stay She said, I knew that what I was accused of doing was not true. My children have always been my world and although my my choices in life were not good, I would never have hurt any of my children in such a way. I thank God for my life. I have always trusted in him. I am grateful that the court has given me the chance to live and prove my innocence. So there is an interesting stat which comes from the Innocence Project. It says nearly one in three exonerated women were wrongly convicted of harming children or other loved ones in their care and over 70% were wrongly convicted of crimes that never took place at all, events that were accidents, death by suicide or fabricated and that's according to data from the National Registry of Exonerations.
2: So that's like the basic rundown of the case. There's tons of information. If I watch the Hulu documentary today that's the state of Texas versus Melissa, it is kind of more biased towards her being um maybe not innocent, but deserving a new trial and all that. So be warned when you're watching It's pretty one-sided, but it does give a lot of info. It interviews like her kids, um, people who knew her, her family, her sisters, um, the defense attorney, people who were involved with the case. So if you want even more information on it you can definitely check that out on hulu there's tons of information too on the innocence project but like you said it's
0: that's obviously from a source who is out there to seek melissa's vindication and you know innocence so um i don't know like i feel like it's important that people read the entire you know the court documents and everything in their entirety because my personal thought is that um, there was obviously neglect and abuse of the children, not just Mariah, of all the children, and that neglect probably did lead to Mariah's death. Like I, I'm assuming that she really did fall down these stairs, and that all you know that there was a head injury. Um, so someone has to be culpable and you know responsible for that. But was it a murder? I, I think that's what the whole debate topic is at the moment.
2: Yeah. Um- this case for me, it's one of those cases where when I first kind of started hearing about the news, I didn't know a lot about it. And I read some articles and stuff. And immediately I was like, eh, I don't feel that bad for her. Like she still kind of seemed like a neglectful parent. Um, She was like addicted to drugs. Like her kids kind of had to fend for themselves, almost clearly not as bad as the Turpins, but like, Basically, you have all these kids that just had to kind of take care of each other and fed for themselves. Not that they were chained to their beds or anything, but I just mean how, you know, they didn't always have enough food. They were dirty. They had to look out for each other. They didn't really have parents around because when they said that um, their mom, she didn't do drugs in front of them, but she would lock herself in the bathroom to do drugs and then wouldn't come back out until she was sober again. So it's like, I guess good that she wasn't high in front of the kids, but still kind of like left them alone for hours and hours. But then when I started reading more about it, because I knew we were doing this episode and I watched the Hulu documentary, I did have kind of more empathy about the situation. And once you hear her kids talk about it and when you learn more than like the surface level information, it's easy to see how, in my opinion, that there was a lot of reasonable doubt where I don't think she should have been convicted of capital murder and especially not sentenced to the death penalty. And I don't think she got a fair trial and the interrogation videos are just, like, insane. It's crazy that that is what happened it just makes you wonder how many other people have been, like, wrongly convicted or, like, wrongly confessed to things.
0: I feel like in um, some other death penalty cases, it's a really clear cut. Someone was clearly, you know, convicted of the the crime when they weren't, like, they weren't even there or, you know, just for whatever reason. Like, it was an absolute clear cut. No, that person did not, you know, do that crime. Whereas this, I feel like it's more blurred because she probably did contribute to the child's death like over time yeah over time i'm not saying you know i i don't know if she murdered the child i'm assuming she probably didn't but um it's just yeah it's a little bit more of a gray area one
2: because it seems like the the prosecution and the texas rangers were making it seem like the whole falling down the step story was just a lie and that mariah died as like after being abused but a few of the kids Like, I think they were all kind of like outside playing. And it was like, while a move was going on. So shit was everywhere. Said that they saw her fall down the stairs and that she fell a lot because she had kind of like a club leg or like a bowed foot and that she was kind of just unwell in general. So she fell a lot. Like, it wasn't weird for her to be falling. But yeah, I agree with I don't think she was this great mom. And I think that she definitely neglected the kids. CPS took away the kids because they were so neglected and because she was addicted to drugs, but they never took away the kids because she was violent towards any of them. It was more just neglect, like they weren't being well taken care of. And there was no reports and none of the kids ever at the time said that she was violent towards any of them.
0: And you also have one question I also have is why did nothing ever happen to Robert? Yes, that's what i was assuming that he was as responsible for these children. Um, You know, maybe it's because Melissa did admit to biting and pinching and, you know, whatever the abuse was that she apparently did admit to. But yeah, why has nothing happened to him?
2: I don't know if the story about um, Alexandra kind of bullying her being true but even before I got to that part in the story in my head I was thinking there's 14 kids of all different ages that are left to watch out for each other like it wouldn't surprise me if these kids pushed each other around or got hurt just because there's no adult being like hey like don't climb on that or don't do this because you're gonna get hurt
0: yeah so Robert was sentenced to four years in prison at the time for child endangerment um, it's like, but like, why wouldn't
2: she get the same charge then, or? Yeah, I think that they're saying that basically,
0: her, at the time, because of the blunt force head trauma and things like that, that they said basically that the uh, Mariah's death was only caused by abuse, which was part of her capital which they got murder her conviction. Yeah.
2: Confessed to.
0: Yeah, so I guess you know it kind of goes back to what I just said. Essentially, she did confess to some types of abuse, you know, whether or not rightly or wrongly. She that they obtained those confessions,
2: yeah, but I also don't get how they say, like, they're saying like her cause of death was blunt force head trauma, as if that couldn't have been caused by falling down the stairs. Which I don't really like, that's what I feel like they're saying, but I don't get how that could be true. Because if you like, I've fallen down the stairs before when I was drunk, like some pretty steep, bad (laughs) stairs, I was covered in bruises and I hit my head like pretty hard. Obviously, I was like in my 20s, so I guess. I'm not as fragile as a little baby, but I feel like as a baby falling down the stairs, you could easily hit your head on like the corner of the step or the railing or something
0: yeah because then the thing is too most like it's it's a good thing and a bad thing like you know they I don't know if you've heard the saying like kids bounce like kids don't know to kind of flinch and whereas where that's where a lot of the injuries come from because they're still kind of floppy and flexible they sometimes tend to not get as many injuries but by doing that yeah you could just if you go flying down the stairs you don't even try and stop yourself you could
2: hit your head yeah I mean I understand kind of both of the more extreme side you're either like she's innocent or she's totally guilty i can see both sides but i don't really agree with either essentially like i'm kind of in the middle i do agree that she should get a new trial and shouldn't be sentenced to the death penalty and shouldn't have been charged with capital murder in the first place because there wasn't enough evidence but i don't think that she's totally innocent either and i still think that the kids suffered from a lot of neglect yeah yeah
0: So I found a quote from her son, John, and he said, she was a good mother. She wasn't a perfect mother, but she made sure we were taken care of. So he's one of the kids that have been kind of the most outspoken about her innocence as such. Um,
2: And I do think, like I said, that the older kids probably initially might not have had it as bad as when there were so many of them and things were very stressful and they were just kind of stuck in this cycle of abuse and poverty and not being able to get out of it.
0: I suspect my final thoughts on the matter is I suspect she will get a new trial, which is rightly so. Um, I don't know what the outcome of that trial will be. Yeah, um, I don't see her getting what, like, the
2: death penalty again.
0: No. And in that quote where they said they expect total vilification or whatever, um, not vilification, whatever, whatever it was, like where they basically expect her innocence to be totally declared. I don't know if that will happen either.
2: But. Yeah. I feel like she'll probably get like life in prison Yeah, or something. I don't know, because then it's like you think about it. She's and already the, there's so many, served like 14
0: years or however many years. I know that I've seen worse crimes get a lesser Yeah, sentence. so I was just going to
2: say there's so many crimes you think of where they either just like got off because of reasonable doubt, didn't get too bad of a sentence because they couldn't like prove certain things. So it's like there's people out there who have gotten way less for worse, which yeah. is it's just crazy how different it is everywhere and for every case. And just one last thing about how, like, some of the older kids are defending her. Um, it just made me think of how with the Turpins, even in their trial, the some of the kids were like crying to the judge, asking for them to be lenient on their parents because, you know, they did the best they could. So sometimes kids don't really like understand what they went through and the abuse that they went through because they love their parents. Yeah. And that's all they've ever known.
0: Yeah. It's mm-hmm. very sad. Um that's it, I think. So we'll have to keep you posted. Um, as we said, we don't really know what the timeline for these kind of um new developments is or when, you know, when they will decide if there's going to be a new trial or whatever, but we'll definitely keep you updated.
2: Yeah. And like we mentioned, this is a big case. There are tons of info. Um, so if you want to know more about it, you go to the Innocence Project. You can watch the Hulu documentary. We'll post links to the court documents on the blog this was kind of meant just to be like a quicker rundown. So at least you have some background information to understand it. But if you wanted to do like a whole in-depth thing, like the Hulu documentary is like almost two hours long. So clearly there's a lot of info, um, but hopefully this I, I, gives you I a feel better like
0: understanding. This is probably like, even though it is high profile, I feel like it's high profile for people who follow these type of cases. Because when I've posted about it on social media, there are a lot of people who have no idea never ever have heard of this case. So
2: I hadn't heard of it really until it started like making the news again recently Mm. like maybe I did like in passing but like if you asked me who she was by name two three months ago I would have been like I don't know
0: Mm. and we had so many messages from people saying are you going to cover this are you going to cover this so I think maybe for a more select group it's very high profile but there's a lot of people who wouldn't have heard about it and that's why I thought we should do this episode just to kind of give everyone the basic timeline and rundown of what's been happening
2: yeah, like some people are very into this case. Like I was reading Reddit comments, as I usually do, just to like see other people's opinions. And there's some very passionate, scary arguments, which made me like <laughs> nervous to do this episode because I was like, I hope like no one bullies us about it. But I don't know. I feel like both of our opinions are kind of middle of the road where yeah, no one's going to be like coming after us (laughs) i hope not (laughs) yeah i mean i won't be surprised if that happens because it always does (laughs) um but yeah so that's really it for this episode um if there's any other updates we'll definitely post about them you can go to the blog and that's where we'll have everything linked like always com. If you follow us on True Crime Society on Instagram, that's where we post all of the updates. We're following like the Vicky White prisoner romance escape. So make sure you're following us there. Um, you can follow our personal accounts. Mine is StephSum underscore Olivia's is TCS Olivia. They're both linked in like the True Crime Society Instagram bio. And you can go to the forum at truecrimesciety.com to have a nice chat with other people who like crime about whatever cases, learn about other cases, good place to go to read stuff leave us a review if you haven't yet on Apple, Spotify, subscribe if you haven't, share it with your friends. Like we always say, it's a big help to us. And check out our sponsors for this episode or our past episodes. They're linked in the episode description and make sure you use our codes because some of them do have pretty good discounts, especially if it's something that you were interested in already. And it helps us out when you check out the sponsors. So please do that.
0: So as as you said, I think next week we'll probably do the escaped prison inmate and jailer, but there's another case that a lot of people have been talking about, about uh, a woman called Lacey Fletcher. It's kind of a, a, a really sad case of abuse where she was an adult who was looked after by or looked after, quotes, by her parents and they left her basically on a couch to rot for 12 years. So crazy. Oh, my God. it's I think it's one of the most unbelievably sad, tragic horrific cases i've heard of so we've had a lot of people message us about that one so we might try and do that one next week too
2: yeah depending how much info there is on each one but they're on our radar so at least you guys know um (laughs) but yeah that's it for this week feels like it was kind of a quicker one maybe but you know we can't always give you these long episodes we're tired sometimes (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah we'll talk to you guys next week thanks for listening uh peace out see ya Come